when you've got a circumstance that we all experience and when you have people who love animals, people step up and they step in and they sign up for double duty. And it really humbles me to know that people will set aside anything to fulfill a mission. Welcome to our latest episode of the Good and Grounded podcast. Um, we had taken a little break from production to rest and relax during the holiday season, but we're excited to be back interviewing leaders in our community and bringing awareness to the biggest issues that our local Colorado communities are facing and some simple ways for you, our listeners, to get involved and make a positive impact on our community. Um, speaking of which, we also have a little easier way for you to get in touch with us if you do have a leader that you'd like to suggest that we talk with or we have on one of our episodes. Um, you can do that by emailing us at podcast at groundfloormedia.com. Uh, pretty simple, straightforward, podcast at groundfloormedia.com. We'd love to hear from you uh, and hear any suggestions you have for guests that we could have on the podcast here in 2022. I'm Jim Licko, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Laura Love. Thanks, Jim. Well, today we're joined by the VP of Development, Marketing, and Communications at an organization with a really fun and unique name, but one that is absolutely synonymous with the animal welfare and adoption throughout Colorado, the Denver Dumb Friends League. Laurie Peterson has spent the last 13 years of her career in the nonprofit sector, including stints with Work Options for Women, Opera Colorado, Brent's Place, and Hunger Free Colorado. In her current role with the Denver Dumb Friends League, she leads all of the business development, marketing, and communications efforts. And if that doesn't keep her busy, she also does a few other Colorado-focused things, including ice climbing, kayaking, dirt bike riding, and hiking. You are making me tired just talking about you, Laurie. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Laurie, for the few listeners who may be unfamiliar with the Denver Dumb Friends League, and I say for you because I, I feel like pretty much everybody, at least that I in my circles, knows of the Denver Dumb Friends League. Can you tell us a little about the organization, what services you provide? Because as, as doing a little bit of research on the website, it's much more vast than just pet adoption, obviously. Um, and then if you can, where the name comes from, because I've always been curious about where the name Denver Dumb Friends League comes from. Absolutely, Jim. And that is a very, very frequent question we get about our name. So I'll start with that, we have actually been in existence for 111 years and our name came from an animal shelter in London. And back 110 years ago, dumb referred to those who were unable to speak. So we took the name Denver Dumb Friends League and now we're the Dumb Friends League and that is representative of those that we serve, the animals in our care and those who cannot speak. And after 110 years, the brand is so synonymous to Denver and to change it would probably um, be a bit unruly. So <laughs> though it can get some questions and some raised eyebrows, that is where our name comes from. And you had asked about the shelter. We are so much more than just an adoption place for families and for animals to find their new homes. And our underlying mission is to end pet homelessness and animal suffering. But we also do all kinds of other programming. We've got humane education programs, helping kids learn, hopefully not to bully other children and animals. We have subsidized access to care for families that need a little bit extra support and can't afford normal veterinary care services. We also have behavior support. We have a call center that will help 
put people in connection with resources they need. The Dumb Friends League really serves the community in different ways, and we try to support as much as we can in different areas. I've known and worked with, you know, your organization for so many years. I truly had no idea that you offered that many services. It's really nice to hear. Same, same. Yeah. So I have to ask you because, you know, it's it's sort of comical. And I look at, at Jim as I say this on the Zoom and his sidekick, Sammy. <laughs> but so many of my friends and colleagues and clients adopted pets during during the pandemic. And I, I assume this is amazing for those shelters throughout the world, but how, what kind of pressure did that put on the Denver Dumb Friends League? We never shut our doors. We are an open admission organization, which means we accept any pet at any time, regardless of their um, circumstance or situation. And we were one of the few shelters and rescues who didn't close their doors because of staff, because of need, because of resources. And with that, we were able to support our sister shelters and our partners. But with that, we also had an influx of animals. We could not open the doors for you to look for your special pet. It was a lot of virtual work. We couldn't allow patrons into the buildings. Our volunteers weren't able to come in and support us for quite some time. So we had different departments, including mine, that did some dog walking and cat kennel cleaning and even horse mucking. Um, and it was great to see us all pitch in, but it was really difficult. The staff was pulled in a lot of different directions, but they were were resilient and amazing. We weren't able to get as many adoptions out because of the virtual circumstances. So over the year and a half of the initial pandemic, we had a lot of animals. We had quite a few on the floor. We had some in kennels that had to double up, but the community rallied. We were able to open up foster homes that could take dogs and cats and either guinea pigs and bunnies and get them out of the shelter space for a bit of time, which was amazing. So a huge thank you to the community. And then it was a bunch of catch up. Like if you can only have 40 families come in and you're used to having 80, you're just unable to get as many animals out. So we got a little bottlenecked, but again, we sent out um, a white flag and said, we surrender, come help us. And the community rallied, came in, adopted some amazing animals, and we're just getting back to a safe zone where the animals have space and we've got a little bit of breathing room. But I don't think anyone expected us to still be in this circumstance. I will say that the animals that found homes are in such loving situations. You know, a lot of people are able to stay at home now, which gives them even more opportunity to spoil their pets. So a really tough scenario turned out to be okay and to see the community rally the way they did in either foster situations or adopting animals was amazing. So a huge shout out to Denver and the surrounding communities. Yeah, it's it's incredible to think about the outpouring of support. And I, I just have to ask, given that we, you know, our community just experienced some pretty horrific wildfires in Boulder County. And it seems like with any kind of natural disaster, like a fire or a flood, it, it probably leads to an increased need for animal adoption. Are, is, is that accurate? 
for the fires of Boulder. We haven't had to step in because Boulder and Larimer and our other sister rescues have been able to really step up and step in. The community there has been huge with donations of food and space and kind of temporary housing. So those situations are really tough, but I think it also shows that when you've got a circumstance, you you do what you can to get your pet as a member of the family, and then others are going to support you by taking them temporarily or being able to offer food and space in the interim and another way the community can really step forth. Each fire or each natural disaster or other circumstance has its differences. And in this situation, a lot of the animals were able to, to stay with their families. That's great. And I, I know that following up on both natural disaster situations as well as the last year and a half, two years of a pandemic, um, we've been asking a lot of our guests, what are some of the personal lessons you've learned? I mean, you talked about having to do a lot of, wear a lot of different hats and do a lot of different things that you haven't been doing before, rolling up your sleeves. Um, for you personally, Lori, is there, are there any leadership lessons that you've learned in, in kind of the flexibility uh, that we've all had to endure over the past couple of years? You know, I've learned I would much rather clean kennels behind a mask and not have to answer email and, and other questions. Um, I think there are days that I really have embraced those. You know, spending a morning from 7 a.m. to 9.30 mucking stalls doesn't sound glamorous, but it's pretty surreal to be in a beautiful environment with these amazing creatures. And I have also learned, this is horrible to say on this podcast, but I'm going to say it, that little <laughs> kittens are really, really dirty. I think they wait for you to get close to their kennel and they all decide collectively to make as much of a mess as possible. You clean their kennel and then as soon as you walk to the next one, they just throw litter everywhere. I think they do it on purpose. Um, so those are my <laughs> personal leadership uh, takeaways. But I I think when you've got a circumstance that we all experience and when you have people who love animals, people step up and they step in and they sign up for double duty. They don't mind walking eight miles a day to get the dogs exercised. And it really humbles me to know that people will set aside anything to fulfill a mission. And that was a big leadership piece. And we have got some circumstances now and I get emails and I get texts. What can we do to help? How can we support um, our other locations? And you just couldn't have a better learning than people stepping in and doing what has to happen to finish the job. Yeah. I think we, we all collectively have benefited from that mindset of the collective we jumping in and getting things done and just making it happen because we had to and there was really no other options. So um, certainly appreciate that. Laura mentioned it. I, I just recently adopted a puppy and, um, I, you know, I, I know personally the benefits of adopting uh, and also the the downsides or I, maybe the challenges, better better word than downsides to, um, you know, not having a purebred or maybe not having a, a, an animal that's quote unquote perfect or things like that. Can you talk a little bit to adopting rather than shopping and um, combine with that? What should our listeners think about, read about, learn about when they're considering adoption before they actually go to, you know, adopt a new pet for their home? So puppies are amazing. They're precious and adorable, but they're a lot of work. And just knowing whether they're purebred or a mixed pup, 
I remember my dog who's about to turn 11, those early days of getting up in the middle of the night and wonder, I was like, I didn't realize this was going to be happening. And, and you know, the toddler <laughs> right. phase and the teenager phase and the attitude, even from your dog. But I think the things to remember are patience, understanding that these pets, if they're puppies, they've got learning just like a child. Um, they need to have consistency and attention and exercise and love. In going into that knowing, yeah, they may have an accident or yeah, they may chew your favorite pair of flip-flops and that is just <laughs> part of it. But really being able to know that there's a commitment involved there and making sure if you don't have the commitment from um, a young pup or a young kitten or other animal, you know, to consider an older dog, one that might already be house trained. And I think, you know, Jim, what you say about the imperfect dog, you know, they're all perfect, right? But they might have a snaggle tooth or they might have three legs or they may just need a week or two of extra patience because they're not used to their new home. And I think patience is the big thing. Unconditional love, because you'll get that back with immeasurable amount, but also knowing <laughs> These animals just need to feel safe and feel comfortable. And sometimes that takes a little bit more time than others. And we don't always know their backgrounds. We've got animals that are rambunctious and want to play, play, play. And then we've got some that are couch potatoes. And so when you go into adopting that first or second or even third animal, knowing what do you want, what is going to be a good fit for you and your family, and how much time do you have to really spend? <laughs> I was going to say, my, my previous dog I almost had for, for almost 17 years, and I was fortunate enough to have her for so long. Um, but I, I keep telling people there's a reason that you have dogs for so long because it helps you forget what they actually were like as puppies. And then you, you go ahead and just jump in again because, you know, out of, out of just forgetfulness, basically. <laughs> I told Jim, he, he's been, um, bell training this with Sammy. And I've said, you know, you could start a business with this. We could all send our young children <laughs> to you and you could bell train them. That'd be great. So I, I sort of want to follow up on my earlier question really about the increase in adoption during the pandemic. And so many people that I talked to said, you know, it was really for my own mental health. Like I adopted a puppy because it helped me keep my sanity. For those listeners that are thinking about and maybe haven't taken the plunge and are thinking about adopting a pet, what are the benefits to someone's mental health for having a pet? Oh, Laura, I don't know how long this podcast is, but I can go, <laughs> I could go on and on. You know, personally for me, my dog is happy all the time. I really would love to be her because she just takes things in stride. And even now, some days I'm at home, some days I'm in the office. And when I go home, there's an unconditional welcome that no one else gives me the way she does. And doesn't matter how bad my day may have been or how challenging, she changes it all. And there have been so many success stories of adoptions here in, in everyone's lives, like yours and Jim's. I think having that unconditional peace, having someone to walk when you've just gotten off of a conference call or you need a break from your computer or you've gotten some rough news. I think the physical piece, the mental piece, and the emotional piece when you've got these animals is 
is immeasurable and everyone's story is different. And whether they're looking for someone to replace their um, bride of 54 years, because that was recent as well, or just finding someone that can help you through a breakup or just not being so lonely working from home, they're they're there with so much um, support that I cannot say enough about people who just need that extra companion. Love that. That's great. And it's actually the perfect segue into what's always our final question is is the ask of like how how can we as community members support Denver Dem Friendsly either through our time, our treasure? What's the easiest way for someone to get involved and help, you know, bring more pets into homes of people who could benefit and, and vice versa? The pets could benefit from the home and the home could benefit from the pets. I would share, spread the word and spread the word about some of our longer stay pets or our older animals that still need homes and need homes just as much. And no, they're not the puppy, but I'll be darned, they do not need as much work and they don't go through the terrible twos. And so I would say, if you know someone who's lonely, send them our way. If you know someone who is dealing with loss, whether it's a pet or a human, send them our way. And the takeaway is, if you have a little bit more patience and if you have a little bit more flexibility in the imperfect, then uh, we're the perfect place for you. I love that. Thanks so much, Laurie. Appreciate your time. Thank you both. As many of us know, this past Monday would have been Betty White's 100th birthday, and she was such an inspiration to so many people. So my one cool thing is that her fans came out in droves online to push what has been dubbed the Betty White Challenge, which basically encouraged people to donate to animal rescues and to other animal charity groups to mark her birthday. I don't know the total yet, but I do know that it had international support. So let's only, let's hope that Dumb Friends League was a recipient of the generosity and we can move forward with more donations and more supporters for our own local animal shelters. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the concept of that in someone's memory, especially someone like Betty White, who did so much for, for animal rights and animal uh, adoption throughout her life. So if you like what you heard, um, go find us on Apple uh, Podcasts, subscribe. You can find us on Podbean, on Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, Goodingrouted.com for more information about previous episodes and, and people that we've spoken with around our community. Um, if you have ideas for other people we should speak to in our community, feel free to email us at podcasts at groundfloor media.com and let's get out there and do some good in our Colorado communities. Mm-hmm.